Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Fox 2 presents Hancock and Kelly. Welcome to Hancock and Kelly here on Fox 2. We're starting on the left today. That right there is Michael Kelly. Morning. Good to see you. On the right is John Hancock. Good morning. I'm John Brown. We begin this week with Republicans thinking of mounting a campaign against President Trump in 2020. Republicans here. Several high-profile Republicans have come out recently saying that they're concerned that the president might lose. Some are also worried that the president might win. Late last week, former South Carolina Congressman Mark Sanford came out swinging. He says, we are facing a huge financial crisis if the country doesn't tackle the mounting debt. He blames the president. So he's even thinking of running against the president, says he's getting a lot of support. And then you have the president's former advisor and buddy saying it's time for Trump to go. We got to wake up now because we're in a dangerous situation. The yellow light is on. It's going to go red. If he wins the next presidential election, look out. He hasn't listened to anybody in the first four years. What do you think is going to happen in the next four years? All right, the Mooch even said that he thinks Trump may bow out early next year because he doesn't like all the pressure coming against him if he thinks he's going to lose. You're up first on well, this. Well, he wasn't even around for a cup of coffee with Trump. Right. I mean, whatever. Look, I think the president's in trouble. This is a president when he came in. We are we're on the heels of an eight-year uh, ascension of the stock market. It continued over those two years. When it would go up 3 or 4%, he'd say, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm doing. And this past week, we lost 3 to 4% of the market. What does he do? Well, he's doubled down on his China uh, trade issues. Now President Xi holds the cards in that argument and can help pick who the president's going to be sim simply by not cutting a deal. You couple that with the mounting debt because, remember, Donald Trump was going to fix the debt problem. We were going to pay it off. This president's in trouble. This economy's going to slide, and it's going to be because he said, judge me on the stock market. John Hancock, well, Republicans coming out now, big deal or not? Not. Uh, I mean, nobody of any substance. Uh, Donald Trump's going to be the Republican nominee for president. And uh, assuming that we have a strong economy going into that election, he, he's got a really good chance to be reelected. And, and I think all of this talk about, you know, who's Scaramucci? I mean, give me a break. But, it, you know. but what we can look to is the recent polling that's come out from Fox that shows that the president's base still holds at 38%. Same numbers he had uh, in 2016. He had the benefit of running against Hillary Clinton then. Uh, he also had the benefit of being able to say to people, what do you have to lose? Why not try an outsider? Well, he's not going to be able to have that anymore. And four people, including Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, beat Donald Trump nationally handily. whole key to this election is going to be the Donald Trump unfavorables. Voters that have an unfavorable opinion of Donald Trump. And uh, in the last election, a healthy number of them voted for Donald Trump. Now, in this Fox poll that came out last week, he was losing 43 to 10 among voters that had an unfavorable opinion of both him and Joe Biden. So those numbers need to change. You're going to have to drive Biden's unfavorables up higher. Biden's capable of that. And uh, then Trump has a shot. But that's going to be the key to this election. 
You know, one thing that I find interesting is you see all these people, especially on cable news, that say, look at these brave people like a Sanford who comes out, not Scaramucci so much. But to me, it's brave when you come out when you have something to lose. These guys are out. If you're brave, I mean, Mitt Romney's been strong and he's still in power. These guys only come out against the president when they no longer have any power. But, but yes, you're exactly right. They seem to get a backbone when they're no longer there because they're afraid of Donald Trump. The Republicans are eating themselves over something they allowed to happen. They left their conservative principles and the very things that they stand for and allowed their party to become a cult of personality of Donald Trump. And they will live and die by that. In fairness to Mark Sanford, he was critical of the president That's while true. he was in Congress, and he got beat. Mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, there's a lesson in there. And uh, the Republican, the Republican base is—if you want to know where Donald Trump is with the Republican base, it's solid. Okay, let's talk about the economy here quickly. Something happened this past week that got, I guess, a lot of coverage in the business world, not so much anywhere else because it's it's complex, okay? And it's going to have a big impact on the election. The two-year and ten-year Treasury yields inverted. Difficult to understand, so here's the takeaway. According to business history, when that happens, a recession typically follows in 22 months, but sometimes as soon as a year to 14 months. That would mean a recession right before the election. Uh, the, the president blaming economists and the media, here's what he tweeted out. The fake news media is doing everything they can to crash the economy because they think that will be bad for me and my reelection. The problem they have is that the economy is way too strong and we will soon be winning big on trade and everyone knows that, including China. John, that's got to be one of the biggest concerns for him, though, is, I mean, this, this recession is going to happen. We've been in this bull market far too long historically. It's going to happen. It could happen at the wrong time here. Could. Uh, you know, the world economy is definitely flagging right now. So that's, that's a major factor and it's very difficult to buck that trend. You put the tariffs on top of that, and if, if those don't get resolved over time, that's going to have a worsening effect on the U.S. economy, certainly on consumers in the U.S. It will ultimately harm the manufacturing growth that we've seen under this president. Uh, but if you get those things fixed, it is. I don't think it's a given that the economy is going to go in the toilet between now and the November but, election. But it, it is, is a so given strong, that it's historically strong right now. True. It is a given that the economy has ups and downs in the market, which the president said, judge me by, uh, is going to go down. And that's where he's at. The other issue that, that Donald Trump has here is he's done so much in alienating our allies and so much in really making China the people, the person that he's whipping on and the times that he's in a negotiation now our allies in China really hold the cards as to what this economy is going to look like as President Trump comes up for re-election. They can expedite his problems by simply not coming to an agreement, and this is by his own doing. All right, let's talk Democratic side here very quickly. Elizabeth Warren is surging. Here's some new numbers from YouGov for The Economist. Biden is down just a bit, but Elizabeth Warren is up by four points, so they're now in a statistical dead heat according to this one. Bernie Sanders also up. Kamala Harris is flat. Beto is at three, uh, is up three rather. Mayor Pete also up three. Everyone else way back. Uh, so there are the numbers at this point. Why do you think Warren is seeing a, a little surge in popularity right now? Well, there's no doubt about it. There's this progressive leftist wing inside the Democratic Party in the same way that we've seen the far right uh, that's coming up. I think she is espousing more articulately the wave that Bernie Sanders wound up riding, and that base of folks has continued to grow. So I think she's consolidating a lot of the Bernie Sanders support that was out there. And as a result, she's becoming the, as John likes to say, it's going to be Joe Biden v. someone. Mm -hmm. And it appears as though that Elizabeth Warren's putting together those numbers to make it her. All right, very quickly, I want you to sound off on this one. Bernie Sanders kickstarts his campaign again with rapper Cardi B. 
Okay, here's a clip of the conversation on a range of issues at a Detroit nail salon. Bernie, at a salon. This is what's called the 10 nail buzz. Do I know nail buzz? Hey! <laughs> this is Senator Bernie Sanders. I am with Cardi B. We're at the 10 nail bar in Detroit, Michigan, talking about some of the most important issues that impact you. Education, jobs, wages, police brutality. Now we're in the nail bar. Cardi's nails and mine are just a little bit different, <laughs> but we hope you'll tune in. Alright, so what's the problem with having a young star like Cardi B appearing with you? Well, it's her past quotes. She once said that when she worked as a stripper, when men would come on to her, she would say, oh yeah, you want to blank me? Yeah, 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 let's go and we'll do this. And I drugged blank up and I robbed them. That's what I used to do. She said I made bad choices at the time. When you're Bernie Sanders, I know what you're trying to do, but... This person would be in jail in most cases. Well, Brown, it seems to me like the revolution is not going so well out there. And uh, uh, Bernie Sanders is is becoming a caricature, and that's never a good place. I think it's interesting that you're judging Bernie Sanders by what Carly B did when our own president said that he was going to grab women by the... I mean, and that's, uh, that's all on the passe. I don't know that any of this will have a lasting effect. All right. He's so. done. You think so? I think he's done. And then there goes Warren. She'll go even higher. Still to come on Hancock and Kelly, what role does the state have when it comes to crime in St. Louis? We caught up with the mayor and the governor this week to see what ideas they have. Wait until you hear what some people had to say after more kids were killed in St. Louis this week. To hear more, listen to the podcast. Just search for Hancock and Kelly. And it's a great podcast. You should check it out. All right. On Hancock and Kelly this week, more killings, sadly, more kid killings in St. Louis. Fox 2's Elliot Davis went looking for some answers. Here it is. Hello, Governor. I asked Governor Parson how he's addressing the alarming number of murders in St. Louis, particularly the heartbreaking loss of so many children. Are you giving more resources from the state to help? When Greitens was uh, governor, he came in, brought in the state police to help augment what the city police are doing. Are you going to do something like yeah, that? Yeah, I, I, look, I, I think we all, from the, the political side of this, from the government side of it, from the state level, we need to put everything, look at opportunities, how we can help. I asked about his meetings with Mayor Leiter Krusen. Did they ask you for Sir? any specifics, Sir? Governor? Mayor Krusen, did she say, Governor, we want A, B, and C? Did she ask you for any specifics? No, there was nothing like A, B, and C. We're trying to figure out that now. We interviewed the governor. He said you hadn't asked him for any specifics to help deal with crime. How do you answer? Well, we've spoken with the governor on uh, several different occasions, and two things that we've asked the governor for. One, we've asked him to bring back the highway patrol on Highway 70 and Highway 55. The second thing that we asked the governor for is um, to really help us with the gun laws. The mayor's public safety director made that plea for gun control months ago. Jimmy Edwards, the public safety director, says one solution is for the state to give the city authority or do it on its own for more gun control. Right. Would you support more gun control, Governor? Yeah, look, we're going to have everything on the table. You know, right now, that's a, that's a tough issue. You know, you're going to get into the Second Amendment issues on both sides of that. But the bottom line of it is the homicide rate, and we get kids are getting killed out in the street. we got to face the fact that we got a problem. Would you, Governor, commit yourself to supporting gun control, you know, as the public safety director says, no. would help? No, I don't, I don't think so. I think we'd put things on the table to see what we can do with that. But, I mean, it depends what that gun control is. The governor says St. Louis is not alone in dealing with an alarming number of homicides. He says both Kansas City and Springfield also dealing with rising crime. I'll let you know of any plans by Governor Parson to help this city. After all, 
you paid for it. I like the governor's assistant trying to stop Elliot. You're not going to stop no. Elliot. That doesn't happen, so stop. Uh, your thoughts. Does the state have a role in what's going on here in St. Louis? Sure, and, uh, and I do think it's appropriate. You know, the, the city police right now really don't patrol the interstates, you know, for speeding and other, other things because they, they're so busy. So I think there is a role where the state can step in and take some of that over, and it was done before. Um, but the bottom line here is we need more officers. We need more resources on the street, and, uh, and ultimately that's going to solve it. And we do need more officers and resources, and the state's going to have to help. Uh, the governor sure seems like a nice guy, but it shows how out of touch he is. When, it, when everything's on the table, we're going to talk, but I'm not going to deal with guns. I mean, Mr. Uh, governor, there you have a crisis in the largest city that, in the state. This is going to rot your state from the core. And it's not only here. They've got gun problems in Kansas City. We have a legislature that has legalized guns to the nth degree. These folks are out of touch with what's happening in the urban areas. They need to pay attention to it. That interview right there is going to win Nicole Galloway a lot of votes. You look, you need to have a prosecutor that's going to throw the book at people that have guns illegally. That's not happening now in the city of St. Louis. I mean, if you want to address the problem of crime, guns in, in the commission of crime, that's the way to do it. Lock them up. Uh, federalize them. You know, there, are, there are federal gun crimes on the books. Let's take those people and prosecute them federally. And, and if, you, if you want to begin to reduce the impact of guns in this community, lock up the people that are using them illegally. I got to tell you guys, I know, I know everybody says add more cops and I like the idea as well. We sit there in the newsroom all night long and I'm telling you all night long and I wish people could just listen to the scanners. It is shootings all night. Right. And this past few weeks has been, hey, there's a shooting. Oh, it's another kid. I mean, we, and we're demoralized. You're like, oh my gosh, we can't keep doing this. And I want you to listen to what Alderman Bosley, he went off on people who aren't stepping forward with information, even when the kids are being shot. And that's followed by a local pastor we had on the air this week. Taste, listen to this. We don't want to see you. We don't want you around. We don't want your friends around. If you condoning that type of violence, you haven't come forward, you need to stay the hell out of our community. I just want to know where from the community. You know, we march under other circumstances. Why no protest now in the streets? All right, you can tell. It wasn't very clear there, but you can tell that even the city leaders here are really at the at the tip. And I think it's all the kids killed this year where they're like, well, that's enough. And we should be at a point of outrage. Right. Hell, it should have happened two, five, ten years ago. Yet we have a Missouri legislature that's tone deaf to what we're dealing with in the city of St. Louis. John, the legislature, I know you all want to pass extremist agendas to deal with your paymasters. You are Missouri citizens. St. Louis is Missouri citizens. We need help. Quit empowering guns. Yeah, you, you ban guns tomorrow, you're not going to have any effect on this crime problem. Why? Because the people that are killing people are criminals. Criminals don't follow gun laws. Never have, never will. The problem with guns in the city of St. Louis is that they are illegally gotten and deployed on the streets, and then the justice system is doing nothing to lock those people up at the end of the day. All right, still to come on Hancock and Kelly, we're talking selective outrage. Chris Cuomo goes crazy after he was called a derogatory name. Is it fair game to ridicule public figures, or have we just lost all sense of civility?
Time for a little news potpourri here on Hancock and Kelly. Let's talk about the seemingly growing trend of confronting public figures with the cameras rolling, trying to get them to react badly. This time, CNN anchor Chris Cuomo did act badly. Man came up to Chris at a restaurant in Long Island, called him Fredo, derogatory term there. The actual video of the incident contains too much profanity for TV, but you've probably seen it all over social media. Chris said he would more or less beat the guy up and throw him down the steps, among other things. By the way, Cuomo was there with his wife and daughter when it happened. Then he got support from an unlikely source. Fox's Sean Hannity tweeted this. He said, I say good for Chris Cuomo. He's out with his nine-year-old daughter and his wife, and this guy is being a jackass in front of his family. In my opinion, Chris Cuomo has zero to apologize for. He deserves the apology. What do you guys think about this? I mean, we've seen it with with some Trump public figures, with media people. Is it a lack of civility, or do well, these guys deserve I, it because of what they do? I appreciate what Chris Cuomo did. I mean, he's out with his family, and he exploded. I had a problem when people were targeting Mitch McConnell in dinner when the, they were messing with him at the diner. Our own mayor here in the city of St. Louis had a protest in front of her house where they threw paint on it. I mean, that is not how we solve issues. And this is with this lack of behavior and decorum, which I would argue probably comes from the president, uh, is not healthy for us. Yeah, it's, it's not good. And, uh, but Sean Hannity and Chris Cuomo on the same page. <laughs> I mean, there, there's something you don't see every day. Well, uh, but yeah, it, it's, it's, it, there is a coarseness to our political dialogue in this country that's not healthy. And that's why I called it selective outrage. I think people just need to be consistent. I think of the Sarah Sanders situation where she was kicked right. out, people booed her. Okay, if you think that's wrong, then you also must think the Chris Cuomo thing is wrong, but it's people have lined up with, oh, my side is doing it this time, so it's okay. Does that drive you guys as crazy? Yes. Yes. Behave. I'm amazed with what the people will say to us. Yeah. Uh, and, I mean, we just got this little show with you and uh, the, 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 the vileness of what people will say because they disagree with you is Sad. Well, the good thing there, Brown, is that it's usually all directed to Kelly. So. <laughs> I was even out with a pro baseball player when I lived in Miami, yeah. and he was getting an F-bomb by people. I'm like, who? what's the mentality? Was he, you was think- he a Miami Marlin? <laughs> He was a Florida Marlin. At that uh, well, there you go. I and mean, he probably deserved it. Oh, God. <laughs> well, all right. 16, 60 games under well, This was several years ago oh, all right. when they won the series. Oh. We also learned this week that Trump aides say that the president once asked if the United States could buy Greenland. He was thinking it would be great for building his legacy as president, and there's a lot of resources there. Greenland has since responded that they are open for business but they are not for sale. All right, John, you're up first. I don't even know what to do with this. This would one. be so great. You like it. If we could buy Greenland, Brown, I think we could send Stan Kroenke out there. Oh. Uh, I mean, it would be perfect. There's a lot of ice up there in Greenland. Yeah. Now, there's not a lot of green. There's a lot of green in Iceland. And ice in Greenland. And ice yeah. in Greenland. But, uh, I mean, it's a big, you know, big plot of land up there. Great uh, natural resources, militarily significant. Let's do it. It's absurd and ridiculous, but this is where John, uh, where Donald Trump is a genius because when the market slides four percentage points, instead we're talking about some ridiculous idea rather than what's happening to the economy well, that he said judge me on. Harry Truman looked at buying Greenland. I mean, th- there is, you know, all seriousness, there is a there is a tactical and military it, and national security interest in that place, and I think it's worth looking in at. In the art of the deal, it says you need two sides to make a deal. You do. Norway has said, we're not selling Greenland. <laughs> the price is right, brother. Yeah, the price is right. Didn't we have flights from here in St. Louis? That was to Iceland, right? Iceland. <laughs> yeah. or whatever yeah. it was. But yeah. so. That's we fake news. It's not icy. It's green. <laughs> right. 
This has been going on a long, <laughs> long time. All right, still to come here on Hancock and Kelly, we have the final thoughts. This time, one of the biggest announcements in St. Louis history, shall I say, is about to happen in just two days. Time for final thoughts. This week, we're talking football. Big announcement happening in just two days. St. Louis is getting an MLS team. You're up first, Michael Kelly. Well, this is a tribute to both the Kavanaugh and Taylor families. I mean, if it was not for these two families stepping up and making this opportunity for St. Louis, it wasn't going to happen. The voters had already rejected it. This is going to be even better long term for St. Louis because this is the world sport and eventually it will be the nation's sport. And we have it thanks to those two families. That's right. This is big. It's huge for the region. Yeah, we, because, you know, we'd, we'd gone through such a bad period. We, you lose the Rams. Then we lost the vote on the, on the soccer stadium. But now you've got all local ownership. Great people. Michael's right about that. Uh, they're, putting, they're building the stadium with private funds. The stadium's going to be amazing. Uh, the experience at these, these Major League Soccer game experiences are second to none, and you're creating a corridor right down Market Street that is going to be world-class for this city. It's a great day for St. Louis. New Aquarium at Union Station. This, this is going to be unbelievable. Big news coming up on Tuesday. Hey, thanks for watching Hancock and Kelly. If you missed any part of the show, download it there on your smartphone. Just search out Hancock or Kelly. Fox News Sunday with Chris Wallace is next, and we'll see you back here next Sunday.